love it. Everybody, welcome to Become a Good Podcast. Watching on the audio stream, on the video streams. Our new graphic there at the beginning. Thanks for that, Dan. Uh, still can't get enough of it. <laughs> so some of you know, I was asking Dan if he could play it longer, if it could be a longer version. Of that thing. Like, just play it for the whole thing. They don't need to see our faces. Yeah, maybe every time you do a screen cut, you just you know flash the uh, yep. good smoke. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, we could use it for. Can we use it for commercial breaks? There we go. Yeah. Oh. Totally should have commercial breaks in this thing. Well, hey, if you're new to the Common Good Podcast on Tuesdays, we talk politics. And so we call it our uh, Common Good Politics Day. And it's February 13th today in 2024 of the Common Era. Uh, cloudy and uh, going to be 40 degrees in Minnesota. Craziness. No snow. Still zero snow in Minnesota yeah. from the snow update. Sunny and in the 60s here in Arkansas. Um Whimsy had a snow day yesterday because there was a quarter of an inch of snow in Arkansas. <laughs> and that, uh, that led to a snow day. Um, Doug, you mentioned that it's February 13th. Um, I, I'm just curious, and, and Dan, maybe you can answer this for me. Um, is it acceptable to buy my wife a Valentine's gift today? Or do well, I have I, to wait? You have to wait you know. one more day, and you have to do it on the way home from work, like a real um, man. You're like a real man, <laughs> <laughs> because who's the guy? Was it uh, Walsh? Was it Charlie Kirk? Charlie Kirk? Or was one it Matt of those Walsh? Guys. I don't know the difference between the, Charlie Kirk. Could be the same. I don't person. know the difference between Selena Gomez and Ariana Grande, and there's somebody else. Mm. I don't know the difference between these three people. I don't know the difference hmm. between Charlie Kirk, Matt Walsh, and I do know who Ben Shapiro is, but I'd like to throw him in there too. Just don't know the difference between <laughs> these people. I think that's how people feel about this podcast. I don't know the Dugs from the Dans, from the Rops. The Dugs from the Dans. And, and Ariana Grande is uh, size at Starbucks. The others are performing artists is what I, how I put that together. Um, well, that's interesting because hey, my daughter Ariana works at Starbucks, so... Does she order a grande? Because if she did, and when they called out the name and they said, we have an Ariana Grande, that would be awesome. A grande for Ariana. There, there, there would be dads giggling all over the, uh, all over the place. The and eye jokes. rolls from literally everyone else. But, hey, did anyone uh, uh, catch a football game the other day? So I heard... Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend year. played at the Usher concert and uh, got an award. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> <Next one>, Dan. <laughs> okay. Played at All the right. Usher concert. Okay, so I listen as as the podcast resident football fan, and maybe also as the podcast resident Swifty. Um, let me just say. The Please. first half of this football game was so tremendously boring. Yeah. Um, oh, because it's professional football, you mean? Uh, no, because it was boring. Um, I mean, just just mistakes and no good action and just uh, just not good football. Mm -hmm. Maybe good defense. Then, it was maybe. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. Really about, like, I'm not even sure about that. It's poor um, offense. Yeah. And then, and then it caught fire, 
and uh, and it went into overtime. And it was funny because you know there's this there's this narrative that the NFL is scripted and that all of this stuff is fake. Um, and the president of CBS had joked a couple days ago that the script said that they were the game was going to go into double overtime, which apparently now is not possible because of the new overtime rules that happened in the Super Bowl, which we found out about because the game went to overtime. Mm. Um, it was in in the Chiefs scored the game winning touchdown with three seconds left in the first period of overtime. Um, if it had gone, if 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 it had gone three more seconds, it would yeah. have gone into double overtime, <laughs> like the CBS, right. like three seconds away clearly from uh, doing it. Clearly not scripted. If they had the field Listen, goal, yeah. I, I'll tell you the 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 big thing coming out of the game uh, was Taylor Swift's boyfriend um, assaulting. Um, yeah. Wilford Brimley on the sidelines. Coach looks like the uh, the oatmeal guy. Is that yeah? Diabetes. Uh, diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so surprising. Great though. game. Like, yeah. Listen, it turned out to be a great game. Taylor Swift was there. I didn't think they showed her too much. Um, it wasn't overbearing. Uh, she seemed to be having a good time, and uh, and obviously once the Chiefs won, you know, and and it turned out great for business. It yeah. most watched TV show of all time. Uh, hmm. When you when you bring together a sport which appeals to young men, and couple that with Taylor Swift's huge following with young women. And uh, you know the world came together for uh, uh, for a game, and it was you know it was a it turned out to be a good game. Um, most of my friends are Chiefs fans here in Arkansas, so I'm happy for them, and uh, you know, and happy for uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Yeah, and any near on holiday that we do with the Super Bowl, things yeah. are rearranged for it, so it's not only you know individual people choosing it; it's it's entire entire parties and bars and yeah. and you know. Do you have any a, any Super Bowl traditions? Super, Super Bowl watching traditions that you have? I used to, when, when I was a when I was a youth pastor at a big church back in the '90s, we would run Super Bowl watching parties. But back yeah. when you could call it Super Bowl watching parties, and then I don't know, then yeah. you had to call no, it the big yeah. game. Super Bowl was game. like we're gonna we're, we're gonna, gonna come after the youth off. groups I mean, copyright yes, so. infringement. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, yeah. No, and and I, th- yeah. I I blame it on me not being a football fan and being out about that when I'm around other people in an irritating level of. of <laughs> They're like, well, we're not gonna invite Doug. I never, never get invited to, to these. It's, I, I, I want to say, oh, it's just because I'm not into football. But then people are like, oh, I go to those parties my friends do all the time. We don't even watch the game. I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's not why I'm not invited. Maybe there are. Because <laughs> you will watch the game and loudly complain about it while it's happening. Um, probably. I'll probably talk about yeah. concussions and men in fancy outfits grabbing each other and why we find this fun. Um, but I, I knew so little. I tried to watch it because I knew this was going to happen. I said to Shelly, I'm going to be uh, you know, having to talk about it. I just want to know enough. So I flashed in a few times. Here's, here's how bad it was for me. I see that the Chiefs are on offense. I'm utterly perplexed. I start Googling Taylor Swift's boyfriend's name. <laughs> 
And then I'm Googling, <laughs> is he injured? Because I thought he was the quarterback. And oh. I had no idea he wasn't the quarterback. How is a tight end the most famous guy in a football team? That that makes no sense. Uh, there are there are rules about this. Who gets to be famous <laughs> in football teams? It's, it's only the quarterbacks. Ends. Yeah. Yes. So I literally thought, oh no, maybe he's been maybe he's been injured. And then I realized he's a tight end, and I put my phone down and thought, okay, don't don't try to catch up at this point. Just <laughs> let just let it roll. Just let it roll, and then turn it back on with three minutes left in the in the overtime. And here's what got me, Rob and Dan. I didn't know what it would take to win. And I have watched football since I was three years old. I mean, I've stopped yep. recently. This overtime thing, I'm like, okay, one team scored and then another team gets a try, but then it's the end of the first period, I guess, if they tie. But if the other yep. team scores and had more points, okay, football used to complain about football fans, American football fans, about soccer rules about who wins a game. Could we all just notice here that it got a yes. little confusing at the end there about yeah. who yes. was going to win? And, uh, because yeah, the it, there were yeah. oh, apparently most of the 49ers didn't know yes. the new rules and they were unprepared yeah. for these and yeah. learned the new rules as uh, as it was being talked about yeah. on the Jumbotron live. The, the fans <laughs> yeah. or the players? The players. The players. They talked about this after yeah. the game. They're like, well, we didn't really... I, I, well, I'm I'm with them, but I mean, I think if you're putting yeah. on the tights that these guys are putting on, and your fancy outfits and your head your headwear, you, you should know. But uh, the rest of us, I mean, we just there's just no there's no telling what was going on in that football game. Why somebody was going <laughs> to win and not win? Thought they were going to add extra minutes for the time when the clock wasn't running or when the clock was running, but they weren't playing like they do in in soccer. Oh, it's I oh, stoppage hate time. Yeah, I hate it. Hate it. You don't know when the game's over. Hate it. Hate but you it. know who else but, had yeah. fun with the Super Bowl? The president, he, he tweeted this <laughs> minutes after the Chiefs won. <laughs> just just like we drew it up, just, oh, uh, just trolling. So if, if you're just watching on the on the or listening on the audio and not being able to watch right now, it's this tweet of Joe Biden with laser eyes, um, smiling, and uh, the tweet is just like we drew it up. Because there's this, this talk is, in, a, in a very small political world, you know, you'd have to know that some people in the in the conservative MAGA wing of America are saying that this is all just a ruse to get more support for Joe Biden. <laughs> yes. And um, uh, yeah, and and this is for those that might not know, this is what's known as the Dark Brandon meme. Uh -huh. um, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I, look, I well, we'll talk about this more later. I hope Joe Biden can find a footing to be the humorous person, to be old Joe in a fun way and poke at this stuff and be above it and not be like he was last week at that press conference where he was being owly. Um, because that just doesn't, that just doesn't, doesn't translate. Well. Yeah. Hey, but should we talk about, friend. yeah, let, let, let me just stand Taylor Swift for a minute. Uh, some of you know that I, I, I have a friend named Casey and we do a thing called Red Hat Blue Hat Talk and we did it yesterday and we didn't get to a couple of things we wanted to. And one, he messaged me today and I asked if I could share this here and he said, sure. Uh, he said, hey, it's interesting that all you lefties aren't concerned about the carbon footprint of Taylor Swift flying from Japan on her private jet and no one's complaining about how much money she's earning. Everyone's bragging about it. Said, I just think that's a little interest. And he said, and on top of that, 
Haven't heard anybody talk about the logo, the mascot for the Kansas City Chiefs in a while. And I just said to him, hey, it's a cause for you to take up. I think you should take up the uh, cause of, you know, rich people on private jets ruining the environment <laughs> and not caring about uh, the things we used to care about. And he said, yeah. no, I just think it's kind of interesting. And I gave him a touche. It is interesting, right? It is, uh, it uh, is a thing that's, that's, that's worth noting. Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, my wife, my wife did, my wife did comment on the irony of the, um, the end zone uh, with the chief's name and logo. Uh, and then across the uh, out of bounds line on one end of the field, it said it takes all of us. And on the other end of the field um, where the chief's logo was, it said end racism <laughs> 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 right above the G like the chief's name and logo. End racism. And, uh, and my, uh, I can my think of a place we could like, start, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And listen, I, I say this. I, I, I am totally in favor of the name being changed. I, mm -hmm. uh, I grew up a Cleveland sports fan. Uh, was always a fan of the Cleveland Indians. Totally in favor of them changing their name, getting rid of the Chief Wahoo um, mascot. All of it. I same thing with the team in Washington, whose name was the most egregious of them all. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, absolutely, like, um, absolutely, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I mean, truly, I haven't heard anything about it. And I don't know what it was. Four years ago, there was that big boycott, or was it longer ago than that, of the NFL? And there was real conversation whether the NFL could survive because of uh, the racial undertones of the responses of a lot of the owners, the straight-out racism of a lot of the fans because of uh, head injuries. Remember that period of time? Well, apparently that question has been answered. Uh, the NFL is the most powerful economic engine in uh, in American entertainment. And, and then coupled coupled with Taylor Swift, it is just holy cow! Like this is uh, unbelievable. These numbers that are turned in. And can I just say, mm -hmm. Squirrely Prepper, um, listen, Penny, I liked you. I liked you for a long time. Um, but now that I find out that you're a Bengals fan, I'm sorry. Those are fighting words. Um, yeah, yeah, we're gonna have a problem. I love it. Hey, and and nothing uh, nothing makes uh, a transition from one team against another team than talking about politics, which for a lot of people is basically boiled down to that. Uh, it's like ball with consequences, you know. Um, hey, it is election day too. We should be uh, reminding people if you happen to live in, I think it's the third district in New York. Um, you have a, uh, you have a election tonight that has a lot of consequence to it. Uh, uh, Tom Swayze is the former congressional rep and former mayor of one of the towns in the district. He is now running again for the seat held by George Santos until he was kicked out of, kicked out of Congress. And, uh, it looks not like an easy win for either side. Republicans won this seat by eight points. The governor lost this district by 12 points in 2022. Um, so it's something's happening in New York. Some people are blaming it on redistricting lines and all the rest of it. But the suburbs of New York are not like the suburbs of other places in America, apparently, because the suburbs of New York are moving more Republican. And they elected a Republican and now they're 
looking very strongly at maybe electing another one. So that's a uh, that's a real political thing. Now, whether one district is ever a um, what's it called when it's like a wind something when it's a an indicator. What's that? What's that phrase people use? It's a I don't know, whether it's an indicator of what's going on in the rest of the country will be interesting. So, and it has to do with the control of Congress of the House in some ways because if if the number that of uh, people that the Democrats have in a majority could drop down to one or two, that makes passing a whole lot of things that they want to pass very difficult. Because if someone's away, like they were last week, they couldn't impeach the uh, administration official that they wanted to impeach at that time, um, Mayorkas, uh, for his job as Homeland Security head. So anyway, lots going on in a big election tonight. So if you're one of those people that watches news or uh, political results like football, it's Super Bowl day, or maybe it's maybe <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not quite Super Bowl day, but yeah, and uh, this oh is a this is a, 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 a Democrats have consistently won over and over and over again in all of the you know uh, these as as Yabbit says the bellwether elections the ones that bellwether. are some indication yeah. of, uh, as uh, some indication of what could be happening in the future. Um, you know, and what the mood of the country is. Uh, it's really difficult to take a uh, one localized congressional campaign in such a weird circumstance with George uh, Santos uh, and his re uh, expulsion from Congress and everything. Uh, you know, uh, like it. it I'm not sure we, no matter who wins here, if Democrats are able to take this seat, I'm not sure we can turn that into a some kind of national narrative. If Republicans hold this seat, I don't think we can turn that into some kind of national narrative. I think this is a pretty, um, this is a pretty unique situation that other times as we've looked at, we've looked at elections, we looked at like, for instance, what happened in Virginia um, where there was, expectations that Glenn Youngkin was going to uh, um, was going to route the Democrats and have control of of both houses of uh, of the Virginia legislature and then it turned out not to happen and it everybody saw that as some indication that Democrats are stronger than the polls indicate um, I, I, I don't think this election is can can be nationalized that way. I it I think it's just too weird of a situation to be able to do that. People are paying attention to it this morning after a bunch of work over the weekend in polling and in the district are saying it's kind of the competition between two big topics. For Democrats, they want to talk about abortion and choice and freedoms. Mm -hmm. We want to keep running on that. And in that area, especially because it's New York, it is the border and immigration because of the impacts in New York City of the way the mayor of New York City has chosen to manage the, the people needing housing, uh, the asylum seekers especially needing housing in, in New York State and hoarding them in New York City. So it, in some ways, I think you're right, Rob, we probably can't tell, but it will be interesting to see if one of those uh, ideas is more uh, lands better with some with voters than uh, than others. So, you know, we will uh, 
We'll have to see if it becomes a blow, if it's eight points or 10 points either way for somebody, then it might, I don't know, it might be like, okay, something was up here. Um, and it could, again, yeah. just at the end of it all, be polling no longer works, so we should stop mm -hmm. doing it. It's probably something yeah. I want to say yeah. tomorrow morning. Like, could we just get over it uh, finally here? Um, but it, it drives a lot of uh, a lot of what people are doing and a lot of the messaging that people are up to. So um, it'll be a big deal. I really, really, really hope that Swayze wins. I like him personally. He's a he's a somebody who's been affiliated with Vote Common Good and our our Catholic arm called Catholics Vote Common Good. He's a really good cat. Uh, and if if Republicans have less wiggle room in the house that's better for america in my view so i really really hope he uh he wins not not every congressional race really makes a difference uh this one this one really could um it it could make a uh could make a real real serious real serious difference hey should we talk about those yep. super bowl ads for a minute <laughs> did you have a favorite super bowl ad yeah, well, I saw those Jesus Gets Us ads. Did you oh, did you pay attention oh. to those, or did you, did you fast forward? I paid attention. These guys, I love them. Look, I think they're genius. Uh, I'm not sure how well they work for the goal that some people have, which is to get people to follow Jesus. Fair enough. Glad people do that. I wish more people would follow the life and teachings of Jesus. I think the world would be better if that's something that they claim that they do, that they would actually do it. But the other messaging going on that in the midst of the things we care about, which is how faith identity informs political identity, to see ads at this level in the, what did you call it, Rob? The most watched television show in the history of the human race. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that they would take multiple minutes at very high um, watching moments for, for many people who watch the, I know some of people skip the commercials. A lot of people only watch the commercials and that the messaging yeah. that came out was hate doesn't fit your faith. I don't know if that's what they were wanting to say explicitly, yeah. but that's what the ad said. And I saw two or three of them and then a bunch of them are, on, are online. If, if you're not familiar with these ads, it's uh, uh he gets us and they do a cute little thing where the us is blended into Jesus. Anyway, so that's that's its own deal. Yes. But uh, we're going to watch this this foot washing video when they did, which is the first one I saw. I paused, called called my wife Shelly and said, "Okay, you got to watch this one." Um, Jim is now in the comments calling it the Jesus pedicure ad uh, because they're washing feet. <laughs> they didn't really go so far as to explain why foot washing is happening, but. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's somebody who appreciates the foot washing narrative in contrast to the communion narrative that the Gospel of John puts forth. It's really quite wonderful, and that that could be a whole Wednesday conversation that we have. By the way, mm. the, the removal of the uh, of the the Passover narrative for a service narrative. But anyway, we could get into that. But at this point, they choose a series of images to try to say somebody's acting Jesus in here, and uh, I, I think it goes. If if I were a conservative person that felt that my faith was compelling me to stand against migration or against a cultural shift or against abortion. And I needed to be out and fighting on these issues and all of this and, and using all means possible. And you watch this, it is saying something else. So Robert, Dan, do either of you have comments before we uh, take a look at it? No, I think it's doing its job in starting conversations 
people on the left and right didn't like mm-hmm. it for various mm-hmm. reasons, uh, which I oh. think is interesting. And you know, that's it's getting attention and uh, sparking conversations. So good on what, them. What, what, were the people, what were the people on the on the lefts? Uh, well, the, yeah, the criticism from folks on the left is that the um, the people who have uh, put these ads together um, include um, like the owner of Hobby Lobby, um, people known for very right wing activism, and they've accused this campaign of trying to put um, you know a, a kinder, gentler face on you know, what is a, uh, you know, their, their culture war, um, approach to, uh, to politics, even while they seem to be undermining it, um, through the, uh, um, through the contents of the ad. So it's, it's a bit perplexing. There's a, um, there's the, you know, what the fallacy of origins, you know, where, where like, Mm -hmm. is this thing is a problem because of where it came from. I think when you look at the ad on its own, I find it very compelling. Then the question becomes what's, you know, is there an ulterior motive here? What is it? Is that, does it actually play out with with the vast majority of people watching this? Do they know that it was funded by the guy from Hobby Lobby? Um, Do they, if they do, do they know what else the guy from Hobby Lobby funds? Like, I, well, I, and I wonder. I, I wonder about the whole funding critique. It's like these people give millions of dollars to a bunch of different things. I doubt Hobby Lobby guy was in the meetings for these commercials, like deciding who's washing whose feet. You know, so it, it is a little problematic that maybe this is some sort of you know whitewashing of uh, of the culture wars. But I feel like that's looking into it almost too far. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally my take as well. In fact, when you dig into the numbers, these monies are given by foundations that are connected to things like Hobby Lobby. And if you want to go down the route of people I disagree with on one topic can't be right on, can't be included in anything else that I consider to be right because they're the wrong people. If we're going to try a purity test like this, (laughs) overall, I mean, I just think we're into the fundamentalism that is uh, unmanageable and and frankly damaging. You know, the idea that many, many millions of dollars have come into this LLC, this He Gets Us LLC that's put this, put this whole thing together. And when you, people want to go through all the donors into this and say, well, this person doesn't believe the thing that this is saying, even though it came through a foundation that distributes the money separately from the people who ran. I mean, look, this is the same thing. I have friends who won't shop at, they won't shop at Amazon because they don't like Amazon employee practices, Mm -hmm. but they will use Amazon web services to host their websites that tell them that they won't shop at Amazon. Okay. So I get it. Like we all live, it's a complicated world. Yeah. especially mm-hmm. economically, but this idea that like, these are the people behind it. It's funded by the Hobby Lobby guy. Well, okay, that's just not accurate. It's not what's happening. It's, it's one of the people, <laughs> but but this kind of thing. And, and I, look, I get it. And if that's if that's people's sheer concerns, it, it feels to me though like people's concern about this is deeper than that. It's like we don't want religion 
out in the flow of things like this, like it feels inappropriate. Anybody who's doing this and is into their religion in a public way and wants people mm. to I haven't heard that critique at all. I don't think people say it. I think they I think it roots it. I think it's sort of where it comes from that there's no good reason someone would be doing this other than some ulterior motive. Because last year when these things came out, before people could even dig around in the money, they're like, whoa, 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 what is this? Who would who would be doing this? Right. So there's something alive in our in our society that, you know, the that phrase, Robin, I don't know if I've heard that before, the 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 origins fallacy. So anyway, I think it it raises a whole lot of a whole lot of issues. Um yeah. but for the people for whom this is targeted at, seems to me, uh, at least this this foot washing one, um, they play a really great song over it. Um that we're not going to play here because the way the, the rules about playing copyrighted music work on systems like you know YouTube and, and Facebook and stuff, uh, we can't play the song. So we're going to just watch it without it, and we'll sort of make some commentary over it. And, and I think it's I think you know for our purposes, it is a highly political commercial in my in my estimation. When you when you look at the images and really pay attention to what they do, so people are just listening on the podcast. It's a series of images over one minute. I don't know how many there are, maybe every three seconds or so, of different people in situations where there, somebody is washing someone else's feet, and they're they're kind of I don't know odd little uh, paintings or or AI generated. AI, <laughs> AI generated. It's like they had uh, they spent all their budget on just getting the placement for these ads, and they're like, well, we've got five bucks left to actually make the commercial. Does anyone have yeah. Chat GPT and a ten dollar Do you guys think they look cheap? No, do, do, do I like them. They I like how they're stylized. Yeah, like I think they're just stylized. Yeah. It's All right. A, right. So, so here we go. Uh, Rob, Dan, we're going to talk over these. By yeah, the way, so we <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> because there's no audio, so we don't get in trouble. Yeah. Nothing like taking an artistic expression. All right, so 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 the first one is a young man bent down uh, in a kind of a family setting. Then there's a police officer washing the feet fit feet of a of a young man in an alley. Then there's a two young people in a high school setting. There's a an Indian native looking person being washed. This one, Dan, can you pause on this one? I think yeah. this one's interesting. They're outside of a family planning clinic. There's people in the background with signs that say stop abortion and so on. And the signs are held down like they're not holding them up. And then this mom looking person is washing the feet of a young, uh, young girl. Um, and it's saying something, right? Like uh, put the sign we down also, and wash the feet. Uh, like, yeah, look, can if we they've also, done race, they've done policing, they've done migration, uh, setting and now they're doing abortion in like 15, 20 seconds. They are yeah. saying yeah. something here. And look, it it it's saying something else about these hot button issues, right? And if they're going to put a Jesus wrapper around this and then send it out to 120 million people, good for them for doing that, for saying something else about these topics, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, should we should we keep should we? I don't know what what else is even left on this on this thing, but oh, this was wow. the one that really me man. Okay, well let's roll them. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, this was someone sitting in a disheveled looking house, and then here's another one that's in a desert and a young girl. Here's a oh. migrant getting off of a bus. Oh, so this one I'm, is 
uh, it's like an environmental protest or clean air yeah. now, and then it's a guy drilling for oil. I, I don't know. Okay, yeah, okay. It's a and using his yeah. using his hard hat to uh, for the water. So, yeah, and there's uh, a, somebody looks like in a you know in a head covering like a Muslim person. Here's some people with different signs and people washing their feet. Here's um this, uh, two men, this black man, feet in this a one bucket is, together. Yeah, this one is reminiscent of um, the Mister Rogers. Oh yeah. Um, well, putting it like he and the police, the black police officer, put their feet in a little kiddie little pool. Kiddie pool, yeah. Mister Rogers, like that's what nice. this one reminded me. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice eye on that one. Yeah, and then a priest outside on a beach with somebody who's maybe you know some some mixed gender narrative, and this says Jesus didn't teach hate; he washed feet. So look. <laughs> Say say what you want. They're not they're not hiding the idea that they're like hate doesn't fit. Now now we know in our work that people think that we are the haters. Um, you know I'm I'm often reminded of that that person at the uh, at that rally who told us that um, she was uh, pro life but, but not but not anti death penalty, not anti gun, not anti war, and said to me if you any of you or your Black Lives loving friends came into my house without my permission, I'd shoot you dead myself. And then she said to me in the very next breath, pointing at one of our signs, the yard signs that say, uh, uh, faith, not fear, hope, not hate, love, not lies, vote common good. She said, can I, can I have one of those yard signs? <laughs> because <laughs> she thought that we were the ones who were peddling fear, hate, and lies. Okay, so fair enough. But I think anybody watching this is going to be like, this was a direct narrative at what feels like the hate speech that comes out of portions of the Republican electorate that's backed by religion. I, I don't know that someone could read it any other way, or at least isn't taken with the idea that they're claiming right out of the chutes, hate doesn't fit here. So I, anyway, I thought it was political and on the mark and uh, was was glad to... Glad, glad to see it for for that purpose. Again, whether it works as evangelism, which some people probably want it to do, like people to know more about Jesus, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I'm not sure. You know, but yeah, one minute there. Yeah. I do think just the. Oh, go ahead, Rob. Well, I was just going to say, like culturally, like I get the, I get the whole feet washing thing as a symbol. I mean, I was going to say was the cultural, same. Thing. It, was, it was a <laughs> cultural thing that was necessitated by. the the fact that everybody wore sandals and walked around in, you know, unpaved roads. I'm not sure. Like, I like how they, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it Like, it's a clever symbol. Mm -hmm. Like, there, there will be those we, literalists who think we should actually be washing each other's feet. Um, I'm not sure that's actually the point. And I say this as someone who pastored a church. Uh, for 15 years, who had a Monday Thursday service where we did wash each other's feet, and uh, yep. thought it was weird then too. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. And especially, like, I'm like, what? I'm the kind of person. My feet are so ticklish. I can't. I can't have somebody <laughs> touch my feet. I like when I get a massage. I say, they're like, hey, and I'm like, no feet. Don't touch my feet, because I like mm. you'll get kicked in the face. I'm so ticklish mm. that it just, um, yeah. So I don't know. It's a we. It's a weird thing. It, I mean, it's compelling. It's interesting. It's certainly caught attention, but it's weird. Yeah, I, I think know, it's not at all. If, if you're trying to reach people who uh, didn't grow up in the subculture where this was a thing, I think it's just weird and cringy and misses the mark. 
I think uh, I think someone in the chat mentioned it though. If this is just a reminder to people who already claim to be Christian that maybe mm-hmm. you shouldn't hate people on the other side of whatever disagreement, I think that's great. Look, this is clear insider symbolism. Religion uses symbols all the time, whether it's yep. communion or heads bowed or eyes closed. All this stuff is symbols that, that and that's how human beings communicate is in symbols. And this is insider symbolism, like a lot of commercials were. I watched the sports betting commercials, didn't understand what they were what they were communicating and what was funny about them because I don't do sports betting. That's why I like these commercials because I don't think they're designed for outsiders like me to religion when I grew up. I mean, I didn't when I watched the Super Bowl and saw a John 3:16 sign as a teenager, I didn't know what that was because I didn't know anything about the Bible at all. I had no reference point for John 3:16 whatsoever. Didn't even know that it was something interesting to be looking at until the guy put the rainbow hair on. And then it got a little bit interesting. So this is not for outsiders to religion. This is communicated because it's using foot washing, an insider symbol. It's to people who consider themselves in. That's what I love about it. So they're saying to those people, Jesus didn't hate. He served. He washed feet. He did the other thing. Maybe you should do that instead of hating. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, we go around saying that all the time. And if someone's going to join in on that bandwagon, great. And if you're going to if you're going to take your money that you also sometimes use for other purposes that I don't agree with and use them for this one, why don't you give us all your money and we'll use it for this messaging alone if you're if you're into that. That'd be fine with me. I, you know, I'll take that, take that uh that money that you have control of and instead of having you uh say that you don't have to uh, support people's healthcare uh, because you don't agree with their religion. Well, let's let's put out some messages that say, if you're going to claim Jesus, stop hating. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. I, I like it. Yeah. I like it personally a lot. Uh, Dan, I feel like you should run the... Uh, run the common good politics commercial break so we can shift into other like palate cleanser this this turned into a wednesday <laughs> uh, and we're back thanks uh, for back. our sponsors uh, and uh for the consideration let's talk about donald trump for a couple of minutes here and uh hey uh can, can we play the nato clip uh yeah, talking yeah. about I mean, the, the, the former uh, casino owner uh, who went bankrupt is now saying that when he was the president, he was leveraging against our allies in an international alliance called NATO, which has existed to protect countries in Europe from invasion of Russia, that the most important thing about NATO is, do they pay 2%? of their budget into NATO. And if they don't, then we don't have a deal. It's not we have a deal and here's how we fund the deal. It is the only deal is you pay. A lot of people refer to this in the last few days as Trump saying he's running a strong arm racket. In other words, saying that the United States will pay for your protection if you pay up. And you might think we're putting words in Trump's mouth but he literally says it. And he's in South Carolina this week, babbling on for an hour plus in a meeting in which, in a rally in which the people behind him are young people who look clearly bored. And Rob, you and I have experienced the boredom uh, of Donald Trump wavering on and not being able to read off the teleprompter. Good. 
A Donald Trump rally that, is not yeah. a good experience. It's boring. Did, did you hear the, the audio this week when he's reading off the teleprompter and then reads the teleprompter prompts? <laughs> like <laughs> Ron no, Burgundy? <laughs> the prompts were, and he says rapidly, and so he's saying something about, and we're going to do the thing, he says rapidly, and then says the thing. Like he's reading the teleprompter prompts <laughs> because he's amazing. Donald Trump. Let's just let's just let's just turn into that. So he's he's reading off of teleprompters. They've chosen to really pick, continue picking the fight with NATO, and he makes what a lot of people feel like is a made up story, where he said that one of the leaders of a large European nation said to him, "Sir," and people. <laughs> yeah, I love this, up. sir, because everyone like, that talks to him so respectful yeah. and uses leaders that of other countries don't call someone sir. Uh, but then he's, you know, so, so anyway, well, I guess we'll just play the clip. Yeah, let's just roll it, yeah. There are 250. I did the same thing with NATO. I got them to pay up. NATO was busted until I came along. I said, everybody's going to pay. They said, well, if we don't pay, are you still going to protect us? I said, absolutely not. They couldn't believe the answer. And everybody, you never saw more money pour in to Secretary General Stoltenberg. Well, I don't know if he is anymore, but he was my biggest fan. He said, all these presidents came in, they'd make a speech, they'd leave, and that was a bit. And they all owed money, and they wouldn't pay it. I came in, I made a speech, and I said, you got to pay up. They asked me that question. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. Here's Donald Can Trump. I go first? Can I go first here? Take it, Rob. <laughs> you got to pay your bills. You got to pay your bills. Donald Trump complaining about countries who haven't paid their bills. NATO. Donald Trump. Construction companies with unpaid bills. Lawyers with unpaid bills. Cities that have hosted rallies with unpaid bills. Restaurants who were told, hey, get one for everybody I'm paying, who have unpaid bills. Vendors who have unpaid bills. Over and over and over again, Donald Trump, the person in our country who stiffs people more than any other, who does not pay their own <laughs> bills. The, you, you, you yeah. are the one who doesn't pay their bills. So shut up about countries in NATO <laughs> paying or not paying. You got to pay your bills. You got to pay your bills, Donald Trump. Well, if anyone should know about not paying bills, this guy, this guy is the one. <laughs> well, yeah, when look, he doesn't pay bills, it's a shrewd business move. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's just, he's just, and he doesn't pay his when taxes. You don't pay your taxes. Yeah, that's smart. If he cheats on his taxes, if he overevaluates and gets cheaper uh, loan rates, that's just being smart. But apparently, NATO is not being smart. So, so consider just for a moment, all of us, what he's saying. Not just, hey, if you're not going to. If he had said something like, look, NATO doesn't work if we don't all pay. We can't all be protected if we don't all, like we, we have to be in on this. But instead he frames it as, I will encourage Russia to do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. To you. <laughs> Absolutely okay, wild. Off. Secondly, NATO 
is an alliance of nations that has said that they will come together to protect any nation that's attacked. One time has it been invoked. The beneficiary, the United States of America after 9-11. One time has it been invoked. The NATO nations are not saying America will protect us. NATO is saying NATO nations will support NATO nations. It is not a question of will the United States singularly support every other nation if they're attacked. That's not what NATO is. If Trump doesn't want to participate in it, he can say we're not. But you know what every other nation in NATO is going to do? Come to defend other nations in NATO. And the one time they did it was to support the United States of America. So for this guy to act as if what NATO is, is his personal reinforcement thuggery group, that's not what NATO is fundamentally. His misunderstanding of nearly everything he touches as president is utterly shocking. He doesn't understand that the United States is a lead nation in an association of other nations. And the fact that people cheer this on, look, if the United States wants to pull out of NATO, then the United States will not be supported in any time in which the United States is attacked, which happened on September 1st, on September 11th. So look, the, Trump's inability to understand anything about how things work is dangerous. And when he gets up and says this kind of nonsense about how NATO functions, as if it's his decision alone, whether a nation's going to be supported, is going to be supported by the United States, as if world leaders are like, oh, we just need you to come and support us, sir. Like, it's just utter nonsense. <laughs> and look, if the United States pulls out of NATO, it makes NATO worse. If any nation pulls out of NATO, it makes nations worse. But the United States has a unique role in the world, and the guy should be saying, we are leaders. And you know what we're not going to do? Our commitments are not going to be lessened by your behavior. Could you be any more weak, Donald Trump, than to say, we can't fulfill the commitments we want to make because of your choices not to pay? You sound pathetic and weak. It's just simply incredible that he pitches this as strength. Yeah, just the classic tough guy act. And it's been interesting to see Republican leaders sort of try to soften this. Like, well, uh, you got to just listen to uh, how he's saying it, the emotion behind it. Don't actually take it literally. He doesn't mean that. Like, well, yeah. why is he saying the words then? Why is he saying... I would encourage Russia to do whatever they want and to attack our allies because they haven't paid whatever due. Like it's just yeah. they and, continue and look, to defend all, this stuff is totally just wild to me. In some ways it's all about Trump and in some ways it's not. It's about Trump pushing out the talking points to Republicans about what they're supposed mm. to think about this. Because now you have all kinds of Republicans that used to be into NATO, used to think it was important, used to think international alliances matter, that now are like, well, yeah. No, we don't anymore. Yeah, yeah and used to think that Russia motor, or the Soviet the Union was. Yeah, used to think that Russia well, and Soviet Union, you know, was a a threat to the future of the United States, and now not so much. Yeah, yeah.
Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's just, he's something else. Uh, what else listen, we got today, gents? Well, thanks for uh, joining us, Teresa. You'll cry in November, she says, when Trump is president again. Bwah, ha, 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 ha. Uh, I, 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 I might. I, mean, I, I might. Listen, listen, I don't want to get technical <laughs> right. here. Right. If that I, happens, I don't want to get technical here. But in November, Trump is not going to be president. Okay. Even if he wins the election, he doesn't become president until January of the following year. So, <laughs> so we've got know. a little time before we cry. Yeah. We'll After the certification. Regulate our emotions. Yeah. So, uh, guys, have you seen we this do have news? Other that, things um, I, yeah, I, I, I will cry again. Yes. Have you have you seen this news that Donald Trump is uh, is wants to install his daughter in law as the co chair of the Republican National Committee? Um, oh. So, um, Mitt Romney's um, niece, Rona McDaniel, is being uh, after a a really stellar performance as chairperson of the RNC, um, where the Republicans repeatedly lost election after election after election after election. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Rona is now being pushed out. She's fallen from favor with Donald Trump and she is, uh, and she is leaving mm -hmm. this position. And, uh, and so Donald Trump wants to replace her with, um, co-chairs, um, one being a campaign loyalist um, from his team, the other being his daughter-in-law, and uh, and you know singer Laura Trump um, becoming the uh, uh, the face of the Republican Party. I find this super interesting um, because I it's an indication that what we saw in 2016 we will not see again. What we saw in 2016 was Donald Trump surrounding himself with. Um, political people who had experience and and what ended up happening was he was repeatedly disappointed by them and there will be um a a really significant push for him to have his people who have loyalty to him um serving in positions of power and and we're seeing that with you know with this push in the RNC I think the other thing this means is that, you know, the Republican National Committee has been paying many of Donald Trump's bills because uh, his legal mm -hmm. fees, because, you know, he doesn't pay he his own doesn't bills. Pay. His <laughs> bills. Um, I mean, maybe Russia should attack him um, and see who comes to his defense. Um, so the RNC has been paying many of his legal defense bills. You imagine that with, loyalist to Donald Trump taking over. Um, that's only going to continue and grow. And uh, yeah. so this is a, like a full on fusion of not that, not that we didn't think this was happening already, but like it's, it's beyond the point of even debate now, full on fusion of the Republican party and, uh, and Donald Trump mm -hmm. and his campaign. Yeah, especially the RNC. And if people aren't familiar with what national committees do, the DNC or the RNC, their primary function is supposed to be to raise money to put forth the presidential candidate and to do some general messaging. Donald Trump 
uses it as the bank account by which he pays for his misdeeds. And so it, I guess it makes sense that they would put somebody in the family in there because she has vested interest in the monies that donors give to the RNC to be spent on Donald Trump's misdeeds for lawyers and other legal costs, rather than the money that she thinks she's going to get after the bankruptcies are totally completed and he's fully liquidated after the um, legal process uh, continues. So they are now going to be scrounging for scraps. Uh, so she has very, very good reasons. Uh, to to want to be in that in in that in that particular role. Um, how, how long do you think before uh, Ronald McDaniel, who was the former uh, leader of the RNC, before she has a job at CNN or somewhere else and is talking about how ridiculous and dangerous Donald Trump is? Are we talking weeks? Are we talking months? <laughs> what happened before before the election or after? And then how soon before he turns on her and calls her literally a rhino? when she was the head <laughs> of the Republican uh, How long are we talking? Should we get an over-under yeah. on this one? No, I, 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 think, I think I would take, uh, I think I would take the over. I think she is going to be one of those people like a, um, like others who have, who have remained loyal to him, like a Kellyanne Conway, um, who has every reason not to be and has yet remained loyal to him. I think I think Rona's going to end up being one of those people. Huh? I don't think he pushes her out if she's going to be one of those people. So I'm I'm guessing mm -hmm. something's already gone sour, um, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, he's al that he's already turned on her um, in his heart. But uh, you know, in his heart. <laughs> I, I got to get out of there. <laughs> I got to get out. Uh, hey, all right. So, so Joe Biden, uh, current president. Oh, see, I was going to keep on oh, the Trump train just for a minute and talk about the fact that all four of Trump's criminal cases are coming to a head in just like this week and the coming weeks. And so judges are uh, trying to decide uh, what's moving forward. Will Trump stand trial? Uh, what will that look like? It's, it's going to get interesting. Mm -hmm. And you know uh, the the prosecutor in Georgia is now um, you know ha has been accused of wrongdoing, and there's some uh, there's going to be a hearing into that. The Supreme Court is going to be weighing in on the immunity case. Um, you know, it, we're waiting on the judge in New York to make his ruling on the status of the Trump organization, and you know what that is going to look like. There's you know, debate about what's happening with the judge in Florida, um, and and the the classified documents case, and if she is protecting uh, Trump, and if she should be removed from the case. I mean, it is it, like it, there's a lot. There is a lot going on in yep. the uh, the 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 legal cases of Donald Trump. Yeah, it's like it's all it's all over the place, and. It comes in these waves. There was a period of time a few weeks ago and it was all really quiet. Not much was happening. Then Now this week, so many of these things could all uh, uh, have some resolution to them and next step forward. And the guy's in serious, serious trouble, right? For all the the bluster there is and he's running for office, it, it, is, it is no slouch that he's facing 91 felony counts. Like that is... <laughs> Uh, we just shouldn't take our eye off of that 
just sheer reality. Uh, and he's spending, I think this week also is reporting week for how much money they had to spend on lawyers fees in the, in the last quarter. And it's just going to be in the millions of dollars. Like it is, it's just really, really terrible, terribly, uh, <laughs> terribly awful. Um, and, uh, and you know, but but look, Trump has uh, found a way to turn this into um, support. He always knew he could because he said in 2015, my polling tells me I could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and not lose any supporters. And so when people are sticking with him, that's he's been reading them right yep. the whole time. They're not yep. going anywhere. Now he'll lose three yeah. percent of his supporters, and that's what's going to um, make his numbers low enough. If all things stay the same with those who would be voting uh, on the other side of the ticket, those yep. numbers stay up. But if, if Trump loses three percent and Biden loses five percent, then you know that's that's not enough. Yep. So, yep. so he still has a possibility of being president because what could happen in five five states where the margin of victory in twenty twenty four was sometimes as low as nine thousand votes. Yeah, I and Dan, I don't know if you got the graphic that I sent over a couple minutes ago. If you did, if you wouldn't mind throwing that up on the on the yeah, screen, but it it's related to Trump support. Listen, we know we know that Christians, white evangelicals, um, white Christians of all stripes have strongly supported Donald Trump. It has motivated much of our work at, at Vote Common Good. Um, there is. Um, uh, there was released some information about the 20 largest majority white denominations in the United States and their support of Donald Trump. Um, and, you know, you, you look at this list and you see, you know, 72% of Southern Baptists, 78% of assembly of God, you know, not, not a lot of surprises until, and, and this is a totally niche thing until you get down at the fourth from the bottom the General Association of Regular Baptists. And that caught my eye because the General Association of Regular Baptists is the fundamentalist denomination that I grew up in. And I, it's the denomination that I say that like growing up, we weren't allowed to have anything to do with Southern Baptists because they were too liberal. Um, it is, it is a denomination that my grandfather helped to found um, back in the 1930s in the midst of the fundamentalist modernist controversy uh, it is an organization that I know very, very, very well. Shocked to see that only 49% of General Association of Regular Baptist Church uh, folks were supportive of Donald Trump. Just mm -hmm. could not believe that. Just shocked that my fundamentalist denomination shows up on the right end of this chart. Just mm -hmm. stunning. Stunning. It is stunning. What do you, and look, is, why do you so, think that is? Like, what's peeling them away? Like, are they still so far right of Trump on many issues that he's... Because we ran into some people at the Army of God trucker convoy that were outside protesting against the trucker convoy, but with religious language even more extreme yeah. and it was it kind of hurt my brain to think about I was like aren't you guys on the same team yeah. here but what do you think it is my guess would be that it would be a break based on piety and behavior 
not policy, that there would be, because like behavior and keeping the rules and, you know, divorce being a problem and drinking being a problem, swearing and like you, you keep up appearances and act a certain way. My guess is, is that there would be a significant number of people who so uh, believed those things that Donald Trump was a was a, an offense to to those sensibilities in his personal behavior. It wouldn't be a policy thing. It wouldn't be, you know, because right. they're not, you know, pro life or whatever. I, I think it would be. My guess it would be he. I I can't vote for this guy because yeah. of who he is. But just, but again, fundamentalist. Baptist denomination yep. just shocked, shocked to see them included in the top 20 uh, largest white <laughs> denominations in the country. Good first of all, you know. but yeah, but second of all, shocked to see where they ended up on this list. Yeah. And, and this list obviously doesn't list the size of these denominations. It's listing their, their level of support for, for Trump. So the drop-offs can be pretty severe between the top three groups, which is the numbers of people. And the yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that that there are in each of those denominations, but look, there's something to this. D Dan Dietrich of um, Will Common Good podcast fame, uh, before he was famous here, was famous for a song he wrote called "The Hymn to the 81 Percent." And the numbers in 2016 were 81 percent of white evangelicals supporting Donald Trump. The problem for him in 2020 was he didn't get near that number even with the level of just non-denominational non evangelicals being at 78% and Assemblies of God being at 78%, the fact that all those other ones were down in the lower 70s, that's why he didn't get there. Yes. It, 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 was, it was the movement of religious people, white religious people, away from Donald Trump. The, the sad reality for anybody who cares about religion and politics in America is that Trump gained, I think, in every other religious subculture, gained in black voters, he gained in Hispanic religious Hispanic. voters, he gained in Muslim voters, he gained in Jewish voters between 2016 and 2020. Where he lost was with white voters and specifically with white male religious Christian voters. That's the group he lost with. It's the group he needs to continue to lose with. And then we need to help the other groups uh, also not... Not, not vote for them um, and, and have other options in order to maintain their faith. So th while these numbers can feel horrible in some, someone's heart, right? So you look and you're like, 78% yeah. of these non-denominational evangelicals still? I, I, I know this, you know, this is C.S. Lewis yeah, kind of logic. Yeah. Like, uh, well, it's better than 81%, you know? It, it's been worse. <laughs> uh, there, there's been a decline. And let's get 2024 numbers down to 76%. In that area. So yep. if you're talking with someone, if you're working with someone, if you're trying to help move little numbers here, little uh, in, in, in all the places can start to move those numbers down. And if you think it's only, you know, the, the, the evangelicals that are the problem and you do your, your denominational brands separating evangelicals from the, the more Protestant brands, take a look at the fact that 52% of Lutherans and 62% yes. United Methodists support Donald Trump. So if you work in those spaces or you know people in those spaces and you can start to move 1% or 2% of the people in your own life and a bunch of people do that, if we get those numbers down 1% or 2% across the board, it makes an enormous difference 
So mm. don't tell yourselves that the only uh, that all of these Christian voters are locked in for Trump, and the only thing we can do is drive turnout on the other side. We do have to drive nope. turnout, but we also can work with some of these people. And if that matters to you, then that's how you can do it. So if you're looking for a you know free strategy tip, you're part of something. Anybody listening to this and watching this, that's this is how it goes. And it might seem like you're not winning because the numbers don't get below fifty percent. Um, we're talking about support in an election. And uh, there's so many of these people that you all know can make a huge, huge yep. impact and huge difference. For sure. And we should talk, you know, and, and, and as uh, just one little lecture here, uh, telling people they're hypocrites and fools is not a great way to get someone to change. Yes. Um, so, you know, uh, lean, <laughs> lean into the better, to the better angels yes. of their, uh, yes. of their aspirations. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, yes, let me jump into the pastoral side of that, you know, where, and, and preach a little mini sermon. There's a, a little verse in the book of Romans that says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Uh, kindness is the thing that brings about change in people's lives. Grace is mercy. Those are the things that bring about change in people's lives. If you think about how any way that you ever changed in your life, was it was it because of guilt and shame? No, those things don't motivate us to shame to change. They motivate us to like they make us feel bad, but they don't motivate us to shame to change. The thing that actually brings about lasting change in people's lives is grace and mercy and kindness, and uh, mm -hmm. and that's how we ought to engage people. Yep, yep, yep. All right, we got anything else on the uh, on the politics yeah, side? Yeah, we, we need to we, we need to talk about yeah. yeah, we need to talk about Joe Biden. Listen, we got yeah, right. we have a problem. We we literally have a problem. And we've talked about it here on the podcast before. But last week there was um a uh a, a, a special counsel report um detailing Joe Biden's um taking of classified documents from his time as vice president of the United States. Apparently, he revealed some uh, classified information in the midst of a conversation. Um, there were no charges brought against him, uh, different than um, Donald Trump. But the report written by a Republican uh, lawyer blasted Joe Biden as an elderly, a well-meaning elderly man with significant memory loss. Uh, cognitive decline, detailed things like claiming that he didn't remember when his son died, he didn't remember when he was vice president, he didn't know what you know when he would, uh, when his first term as president would end. Like just hammering him on uh, his age and frailty, uh, and it's a. This narrative is going to be a real problem. It's going to be a real problem. And especially, you know, it, it, it actually opens up, and I don't know, we talked about Super Bowl ads. We didn't talk about the RFK Super Bowl ad, the RFK Junior Super Bowl ad. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you saw that one, Doug. Um, I take a look at that one. It was, it was a very clever political ad that I thought was, while I'm not a supporter of RFK Junior at all, just from, purely political standpoint, I thought it was a very clever ad and really well done. Joe Biden's got a problem. He's got a problem.
Yeah. He's been maybe the most effective president of our lifetime. So there's there's multiple things that go into being president. You have to be good at like to be president. There's like there's maybe three different skill sets. There is the and we've talked in the past. There's like the comforter in chief. That in the times of national crisis, where you project the empathy, Donald Trump was terrible at this. He was awful at it. Joe Biden, um, thankfully, hasn't had a ton of reasons to to need to express that, but he he's naturally very good at that. Uh, there is the negotiation component where you've got to. Um, where you've got to work with congressional leaders to get bills passed and you've got, to, there's the policy component of, um, uh, of getting your agenda passed again, Donald Trump, terrible at this, terrible at it. Um, you know, infrastructure week over and over and over again. And Joe Biden got infrastructure done and, and several other things against all odds. He has been tremendously effective maybe the most effective president in our lifetimes at getting bills passed. But then there's a third component. It's the forward-facing, casting a vision, leadership component, where you give a speech and you inspire and you, you chart out a vision and like the country feels good about where we're going because of your ability to to speak and to Joe Biden's terrible at this. Yeah. And it is the he's terrible at it and his age is just making it worse. Um and it, it the other things the the comforter in chief happens occasionally, hopefully rarely. The negotiation, the policy component happens behind closed doors and doesn't get seen. The thing that is front facing, the thing that is everybody sees is it's the thing that he's the worst at mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. president of the United States. And it's, it's a real problem. It's a real problem. And one of the yeah, other problems is what's happening in Gaza. And he's been really uh, feeling the pressure from, maybe half the democratic party saying you got to get more involved. And uh, it was good to see in his press conference a couple of days ago, he didn't come out and say it's going to stop anything, but he said to Israel, do not continue with this campaign in Rafa where you, you told people to go so they'd be safe. And now you're going to bomb this refugee area. Basically said, stop that. Don't do that. Uh, we'll see if that has any teeth to it. But during that press conference, and I texted you guys, it was just painful to watch, you know, it yeah. just uh, looked like he was about to fall asleep as the sleepy Joe thing. And I don't know if you guys caught the halftime show of the Super Bowl, but when Usher put on roller skates and was skating around, mm -hmm. I was just nervous the whole time that he was going to fall and hurt himself. Yeah. That's how I feel when Joe Biden is talking. Like I, yeah. I'm just nervous that like, yeah. Can he get through this? He was coughing. Uh, like he's got a perception yeah. problem and he has these policy problems. Yeah. He, they, we've known all along that when he ran for president, he was going to be the oldest 
president, he sort of said, at least I heard, I'm a transitional figure, which I took as one term. <laughs> uh, that deal feels like it sort of shifted. So when people say things like, hey, people picked him, I'm like, yeah, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Big difference uh, this time. I don't think anyone said we're picking someone for eight years. I know that's sort of the intention inside the, you know, the, the political world that you pick someone for. These are lifetime appointments, either the lifetime of the position or the lifetime of the individual, depending on what, what role you're in. That's kind of the assumption pe- people make. But I think a lot of people weren't making making that calculation. And the hard part here is that everything people see, Dan, what you say you experienced watching it, what Robbie you articulate. So well, they came out of the the her report. Um, that fits into what people already think, because mm-hmm. you can see it in him. Uh, I was with a body worker yesterday. I've been doing a rolfing thing. It's a kind of massage. Deal. What now? And it's called rolfing. 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 Yeah, R O L F I N G. Doesn't doesn't sound yeah. real. You're with a body specialist who's helping you throw up? <laughs> Someone named Emma Rolf uh, invented this, invented this thing. It's a, mm. it's a myofascial, myofascial uh, massage technique. Anyway, she's a body person. She's super into Biden, really supportive of all this. And she said, as a, somebody who pays attention to body, Watching him walk, seeing the way his legs move in relationship to those are neurological things. Like these are people yeah. hardwired yeah. in, want Biden so much to win if Trump's the alternative, and yet are saying these are real, real issues. And the mm-hmm. campaign is going to have to figure out how to make Americans be comfortable with this if he indeed is going to be the name that's on the ballot in November. And they're going to have to find some way to navigate all of this and to communicate it. And so far, there has been no indication from this White House or from the campaign till this point to be able to make that happen and to uh, communicate in a way that's going to um, tell people, yes, these are conditions the, the man has, but it's Okay. And now messaging about Kamala Harris uh, saying that she's ready to serve if uh, Biden's age becomes an issue is something that is, a, to my to my point, and I, I, have, I have a shirt that says Biden-Harris on it, and I wore it most proudly because it said Harris on it in 20, going into 2020. Um, I follow politics pretty closely, not as much as Rob follows, you know, uh, What's the team you vote, you, you root for? <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> I don't think I have heard but two speeches or two times where Kamala Harris has been saying anything, and one of those was on a Sunday morning news talk show. She's just never around in my world. I don't see it. I don't hear her. She's not out there. Uh, there have been no setup for her to be like slide on in and. Um, if Joe Biden decides not to run or has health issues or something, I don't know. It's kind of like what's been going on for three and a half years in the planning and plotting of all of this stuff. So it's, it is, Rob, as you say, and Dan, it's a real, real issue. I still have a sense that the candidate, because the candidates on either side are not actually fully picked until after the conventions, which the RNC and DNC are responsible for, 
that we may end up with out Joe Biden or Donald Trump on the on on the ticket come the fall. Um, so yep. I, it it could all get very interesting. Or and I think this is far more likely, it is those two on the ticket in the fall, and that's what we're and that's what we're staring at. And so, um, is there more enthusiasm for a generic D than a generic R? And is there more enthusiasm for the person marking the D and marking the R? Uh, that that's going to be the that's going to be the real question. Um, and uh, this is this is not a great position for us to be in as a country. E either way, like almost no Republicans I know feel like it's great that Donald Trump is running. Even Trump supporters are like, yes, mm -hmm. I wish he wasn't, but. In the same way. So when we go into an election where people are like, I kind of wish this wasn't our choice, but I'm going to stick with my side. That's, that's not our highest point as a, yeah. as a country. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. It's maddening. Yep. Literally everyone I talk to on any side is like, how is this the best we have to offer from yep. both sides? It's like, really, these are the, the top two people that are qualified to run a country. This is, it doesn't make sense. It's wild. It is. It is absolutely wild. And and Biden had a had a moment. Apparently, he thought about it, and people around him say he really considered whether he should run or not, and made a very deliberate decision to say yes. Um, can you only imagine if if he hadn't, what kind of energy there would be in the country right now, um, as opposed to you know the situation that we uh, that that we have right now. And uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I still think Kamala Harris could be great at this. I think her public-facing persona has not been given to her to be a heir apparent to the presidency. And yeah, I wish that was the case. Well, thanks for everyone mm -hmm. for hanging out in the chat. Uh, even if you disagree, we're glad you're here. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Thanks for watching us. Well, Jim, you made me laugh really hard. I you we were all me. chuckling, Jim. <laughs> I saw you guys giggling and I couldn't look over fast enough because I felt like I had to keep talking. What, 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 what was the, was it, was it a Rolfing thing? Yes. It was Rolf adjacent, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but hey, All we'll right. see everyone tomorrow. Um, Doug, you want to tell us yeah. who we've got on tomorrow? Or? It's going to be a pre-record, friends. So I know sometimes you're disappointed with those because we don't get to giggle at your at your humor. But maybe we'll run it live, Dan, and put people's comments up. Yeah. But our guest uh, is um, National Public Radio host Sarah McCammon, and she has a new book out called Exvangelicals. And we're going to be uh, recording an interview with her and then airing that tomorrow. So um, if you follow Sarah, um, you'll enjoy it. If you don't yet follow Sarah, get a jump on it. Uh, you, you're going to like yeah. that follow on any of the social media places. And yeah. um, we're really excited to have her. Uh, had a chance to get to know her personally and her work and uh, fans of both. Yep. And we're going to glad to talk about this book about yep. what's happening Seriously. in the world of people that were formerly evangelical as she was, which you'll hear. That's 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 the uh, feature of the of the book. It's, it's her own story as well. Somebody that was in that tradition and now doesn't find herself in it. And what does that mean for the country and for religion and all that? So, yep, Sarah McCammon uh, tomorrow. If all things go according to plan today. You never know when someone's a crack reporter like Sarah, she might get called off on a an important, important hot duty. lead. Breaking story. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Bye, everybody.